And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, as we continue on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, They have the super deals you're looking for. Frank and his team are the best in town. Boulder Highway in Henderson. The award-winning Hyundais, luxury vehicles, crossovers, whatever you want. And their finance team, the best. And you can buy a vehicle right over their app, right over the website at HendersonHyundai.com. You don't even have to go there, but I go there. I love everything about the Henderson Hyundai Superstore and Frank and his team. They're proud partners, and they love the Golden Knights. They're an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights, and I'm excited to work with them. So let's go to the final score. Last night, as Vegas loses again, this time in St. Louis. Theodore shoots with three seconds. Another save for Bennington, and that's all she wrote in St. Louis. Final score, Blues 3, Knights 1. All right, as I mentioned earlier, this team now is very streaky. This team isn't playing well. I don't think there's any need for panic for everybody in Vegas and the hockey fans that are streaming the show because we're going to talk about this. This is a team that should win the Stanley Cup. They have everything to win. There is no excuse not to win the Cup. Now, only one team wins, and there's like four or five or six teams that could win. But Vegas has been building to win the Cup for quite some time. So now they're going through a little bit of a slump, you could say, And this was not a good performance. They look flat. The goal scorers aren't scoring, which I'll get to. And it's time for someone on this team to step up. Mark Stone is the captain of the team. He was named the captain, the first ever captain of VGK for a reason. I thought this soundbite from Stone last night was exceptional. And one of the most important things he said since he's come here and he's the captain. Here's Stone after the loss. At the end of the day, the guys were getting paid to score goals and have to score goals. And, you know, I think especially our line, Patch and I have, uh, you know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and, um, you know, we have to uh, to find a way to uh, to win our team a hockey game. And um, I don't think we've uh, uh, really done uh, enough over the last four or five games to uh, to get our, um, get our team uh, more wins. Um, you know, we had a great team effort on, uh, Monday, but it, uh, these are the types of games where um, your best players have to find ways to score goals and um, take a little bit of responsibility and a majority of the responsibility for that. I love that soundbite. I really did. I told Bobby, who ran the game last night, I texted him last night and said, get me that. It was on Twitter. The Golden Knights put it out, and that's what we do. We build sound for the show, as you know here, and that was an important soundbite because Stone said what I've been saying for a long time. There are several goal scorers on this team that need to score goals. That's what they get paid to do. Just like with the Raiders on Raider Nation Radio, you got a lot of guys who are paid to catch the ball. That would be Henry Ruggs III, Hunter Renfro. Nelson Aguilar did a good job. He left in free agency. Now there are players coming in. Waller caught a lot of balls. You don't hear me say a word about him. The year before, I said Waller doesn't catch enough balls. They don't go to him enough. Last year, they did. Everything's perfect. So when you get paid to be a pass catcher, a receiver, you get paid to be a goal scorer, a right wing, a left wing, a centerman, you got to score. Now, I know it's hard. It's not easy to score a goal. 
You got guys draped all over you. You go on these minute-and-a-half shifts, you're, you extend all this energy, puck gets dumped in, and there's a line change. It is not easy to score, period. But you got guys that play over 18 minutes a game. That would be Stone. Pacioretty's pretty much at 18. Carlson's almost 19. Marceau plays, you know, over 17 minutes a game. Alex Tuck needs more minutes. He plays over 16. And they got to score more. And that's a really important point of this game. I've said this. The two biggest problems I've seen with the Golden Knights since they've been an inaugural expansion team is two. Just two. Number one, they don't clear the crease out on defense good enough. Guys park themselves in front of Fleury or Leonard all the time, and they're there for deflections or tip-ins, or they get a puck in front of the net, and no one's there. Everybody just stares at the guy wide open on the crease. I don't like that. And number two, their goal scorers go through too many droughts, which I believe is a problem, and it's exactly what could knock this team out of the playoffs. If someone gets injured or someone's on a cold streak and not scoring, So I'm really happy that Mark Stone mentioned that. It's important. The head coach, Peter DeBoer, also talked about that last night in the press conference. We knew St. Louis was going to be real good. We knew they were going to push back with a big game tonight uh, under the circumstances they're under. And, uh, you know, we needed to to give Flowers some more support offensively. We needed to find a power play goal tonight somewhere in there. We needed one of our key guys... uh, with some of the quality looks they had to find a way to stick one in the net. That's the only way you're going to win on the road this time of year against a good team. So now there are several teams in hockey that have more points than Vegas, which is concerning me. Vegas has 52 points. The Islanders have 54 along with the Capitals and the Lightning. Carolina's got 55 points. Florida's got 56. And then the Avalanche, the rivalry team has 56. Toronto. No one's talking about that in Vegas. Toronto's the best team in hockey with 57 points. And now Vegas has got to look over their shoulder because the Minnesota Wild, who have been a thorn in their side, only trails them by two points at 50. So, again, hockey is hard. Most sports radio hosts don't talk about it. It's a major sport I do. Why do I talk about hockey? For years I didn't, even though I loved the sport, because in Vegas we didn't have a team. Now we have a perennial cup contender. And the owner of the Raiders is a season ticket holder, goes to games. Everybody in this town knows about T-Mobile. We had the vice president of T-Mobile on yesterday on the five-year birthday. This is a big part of the culture of sports in this town. I'm going to be talking a little bit more UNLV basketball because of Kevin Kruger. I didn't waste a, a breath of air on it last year because they're terrible. UNLV football didn't win a game. I know what to talk about. When you tune into my show, even if you don't, you know, you don't love golf. I'll talk about the Masters. If you don't like hockey, I'll talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. If you're not a big NASCAR guy, I'll talk about the Daytona 500. But the hockey thing's very interesting to me because it resonates here in Vegas. They're the first professional sports team here in town, and they're too good, too good not to win the Cup. They've got to get their act together. So they're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10 games. And the team is really good at home which they're supposed to be, but there's no fans. There are fans, but not enough in my opinion. They're 14-4-2 at home, 11-7 and on the road, and they just got to get going here. Their differential is great. They're plus 32 on the year, but they just can't get rolling right here. They're very streaky, and some of these goal scorers got to wake up. If you want to hit me on Twitter, who's going to, 
Who's going to step up? Is it Carlson? Is it Marcia So? Is it Pacioretty? Is it Stone? Stone was accountable. He's really the first guy accountable that we can talk about here. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about Vegas. I want them to do better. And I'm not panicking here. Not panicking at all. I just think it's time to talk about them and figure out what's going to happen. Hey, one more quick headline today, which was really disturbing. The gunman who killed five people, including a doctor in South Carolina, was former NFL player Phillip Adams, who killed himself earlier today, according to a person who was briefed on the investigation. This is a really crazy story, Adams. Parents lived near the doctor's home in Rock Hill, and they had been treated by the doctor. He said Adams killed himself after midnight with a 45. He was only 32. He ended up killing the doctor who was 70 and his wife. They were pronounced dead at the scene along with their grandchildren, nine, five, nine and five years old. So this is a really crazy story. Adams played in 78 NFL games for five seasons for six teams. He joined the 49ers in 2010 as a seventh-round pick out of South Carolina State. Though he rarely started, he went to play for New England, Seattle, Oakland, and the Jets before finishing his career with the Falcons in 2015. And this is really a disturbing story. And Charlotte TV's all over this. And he blamed football for the problems that he had. His father blamed football for the violence and what's happened in his life. And his father told the Charlotte TV station, quote, this is so sad, I can say he's a good kid. He was a very good kid. And I think the football messed him up. He didn't talk much, and he didn't bother nobody. So this is a story you're going to hear a lot more about today. And it's a big trending story that's out there, and I just wanted to get it in here on the show because that's what we do. We cover breaking news and stories like this. Philip Adams, former NFL player, kills five in South Carolina and then takes his own life. Really difficult story to see. We got the Masters going on in progress. Again, I always tweet this out on this day. It's always difficult to watch the Masters on Thursday because you don't know when it's on. I had my phone charged overnight so I'd be able to watch it when I got up on my phone. I paired my tablet to my TV. And then, as you know, we have to wait until 3 o'clock Eastern When we started the show, we told you noon Pacific time for live coverage at the Masters. No league or sport makes it more difficult on their fans to watch their greatest event than the members at Augusta National. They are the ultimate ball busters. Pretty interesting leaderboard. A lot of guys out there struggling today, not making putts as the golf course is very firm and it's getting windier as we speak and it's tough to score today. But we'll continue to go through the leaderboard and talk about it. 702-365-9200 as we continue on. We're brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Raise your cocktail game and go check out the new Remy Martin bar inside the M at the Raiders Tavern and Grill. When you go in, make a left, and the whole back of the Raiders Tavern and Grill is sponsored by Remy Martin. It's really cool, especially their private room that overlooks the pool. I'm off to San Diego. I'll be back on Monday, and then we go big on the draft. we got great draft coverage that we've been lining up for weeks. Right here exclusively on your flagship for the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.
Did a drug recognition expert respond to the Woods crash scene or hospital? No, they did not. The deputy on scene assessed the condition of Tiger Woods and there was no evidence of any impairment whatsoever. He was lucid, no order of alcohol, no evidence of any uh, medication, narcotics, or anything like that that would uh, bring that into question. So that was not a concern at the time. So therefore, obviously no field sobriety test and no uh, DRE drug recognition expert needed to respond to uh, do any further assessment of that. This is what it is, an accident. That's Sheriff Villanueva in regards to what happened with Tiger Woods and his accident yesterday. Welcome back, JT, with you, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is getting his ass kicked at Augusta National. He's probably going to be four or five over, depending on if he can make a comeback putt after nine. It's playing really tough today, really, really difficult at Augusta National because they all played it in November because of COVID, and it's completely changed since it's much faster so they're not used to the speed and a lot of balls are rolling off the greens a lot of putts are going way too long coming back so if you haven't watched the masters yet you're dbring it you're thinking about watching it later whatever you're doing it is you know matsuyama's three under Harmon's three under uh, pat reed is two under justin rose is two under webb simpson two under it looks like you know two three under will be the low score today and it is much more difficult. So the Masters is on. I'm excited to talk about it. And we'll have a winner here on Sunday as we continue on. I'm going to get into the draft coming up momentarily. A couple of mock drafts, including Peter Schrager's, as I've mentioned, Todd McShay's. As we're going through the draft, I would hope that a lot of the Raider fans are building their own draft. My sons do it every year. You know, my sons are once in college for sports management. I don't know what that means. I think it's beer drinking. You have to have a major the other son's going to college next year with soon to be empty nesters and i tell my sons every year do me a favor put together a mock draft for dad give me the first round and they like doing that and it's a tradition we have here and they're excited about it this year because it's easier because of all the draft picks that are going to be quarterbacks who are going to be off the board early guessing actually guessing where the quarterbacks are going to go might be a little bit more challenging but overall, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think all five of them are going to go in the first eight picks. And once that happens, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Andrew Siciliano from NFL Network, who's a friend of mine and a colleague for a long time, he tweeted out via Judy Batista at NFL.com that NFL Chief Medical Officer Dr. Alan Sills says, quote, I think it's too early to speculate about that when asked by Judy Batista, if fans will need to show proof of a negative test and a vaccination to go to NFL games in 2001. Andrew went on to tweet eight minutes ago, reading some of the comments, it's too early to speculate, but not too early to overreact and jump to conclusions. Evidently, it's only April. For me, this is the biggest story in my life, the biggest story in sports. And no doubt, this is the biggest story, is how are we going to go to sporting events again? How are we going to go to concerts? Do we need to show a vaccination card? Will there be lawsuits? I stay in my lane with the Raiders. I have no idea. When they give me information, I report it to you. I don't work at Allegiant Stadium. I don't know what they're doing. But I do know that we have to get boxing. There's going to be a kickoff showcase football game that can, I mean, the amount of people that could go to Allegiant Stadium for college football, soccer, and boxing, and concerts, is really what gets me going. I and mean, that's a really important topic for me. 
So how are we going to get there and go? And what's happening now is that a very difficult topic is telling people in a free country where we all have rights that we have to do something. So Scott Kaplan joined me the first hour, my friend. I got my double dose. I'm vaccinated. I did it the right way. I waited in line until I was called on with my age and my job, and I got it done. And it was never a question because I really struggled with my parents. My parents are, my dad's 83, my mom's 80, going to be 81, and they're in Florida, and they couldn't get their dose initially. It took a long time for them to get it. And my sisters were deeply involved in trying to book their appointments in another state. And it really weighed on me heavy. It weighed on me really heavy because being the only, only son and living out west, I wasn't able to get up at 5 in the morning and get them appointments in Naples, Florida. I felt really guilty about it. Then finally, my dad had to drive across the state from Naples to Palm Beach to get his shot. You've got an 83-year-old guy driving at 5 in the morning on Alligator Alley. That isn't the safest thing, but he got it. And then, you know, my sisters and my brother-in-laws, we all talked about it. It was pretty emotional because we haven't been able to see our family in a long time. I haven't seen my sisters since the Thanksgiving before the past one. It's been a long time. If you know me, I'm about my family. So how are we all going to be a family and get to Allegiant Stadium and T-Mobile? And this is a strong topic. If you get your vaccine, I believe you should be able to get in easier. That's as far as I'll go on that. I'm not saying that they should bust your chops if you don't have a vaccine, but they're probably going to do it at arenas and stadiums around the country. Again, I don't know what they're going to do in Las Vegas and in Southern Nevada. No idea. But what's going to happen is that there are going to be certain states and certain governors who are going to say, local legislators, you're not going unless you have a proof of vaccine. You're not going. You're not invited. And then people are going to freak out, and they're going to say, I have the right to do nothing, and I don't believe this. And then there's going to be lawsuits, and it's going to be chaos. And I don't like that type of chaos when politics comes into sports. So here in Southern Nevada and Vegas, no matter where you're listening to us, if you're streaming, it's now very easy for everybody to get their COVID-19 vaccination. And I believe it's going to have a big impact on sports going forward because I think there's going to be a fourth wave. It's here now. I think younger people who aren't vaccinated are going to get COVID and die from it and get sick from it. And we're going to be back to where we were, where a lot of governors around the country are going to say, we're done. We're, we're, instead of going 50%, we're back to 25%. We're closing restaurants again. We're doing this because it's really easy for me to see this. It's laid out right in front of us. And as much as I want to stick to sports, we had the GM on of you know, T-Mobile the other day. He, wouldn't ask, he would not answer the question when I asked him. And I don't, I don't blame him. He gave me the right answer right down the middle that they'll see what happens and they'll, fo- they'll fo- file, uh, follow CDC guidelines, which is the right answer going forward. But I don't know. So for those who are dependent, thinking about getting their vaccine and they haven't or they're thinking about another issue, don't complain. Don't complain if you're not allowed in. I'm not saying you're wrong. You can do whatever you want. But if the rules change in California, Nevada, Oregon, whatever you want to do, Seattle, if you're going in the state of Washington and and you don't like the rules that they lay down for sports, you're not invited. You're not going to be able to attend. And you've had plenty of notice and plenty of warning to get going because I'm following that story and that trend as it's developing here right in front of us. A lot of baseball. The good news, Fernando Tatis won't need surgery. Uh, The Yankees very concerned about Aaron Judge. Not sure if he'll play on Friday because he has soreness. Get this, soreness in his right side. 
I don't recall ever in my life a Yankee, Reggie Jackson, Thurman Munson, before my time, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Mickey Mantle, ever saying they can't play in a game because they had soreness on their right side. And baseball's off to a pretty good start. A lot of decent turnouts in certain stadiums as hopefully more and more fans are showing up. And as we take a look at the NBA tonight, a big opportunity. The Lakers are at the Heat. The Heat are a playoff team. The Lakers are a playoff team. That's a game we'll watch. The Bucks are at the Mavericks. A Blazers and the Jazz. Last night, the Jazz lost to Phoenix. In Phoenix, it was the best game of the year. I don't think anybody watched because it was on so late at night. It was on extremely late. It ended at about 12.35 in the morning. So it was really late. Most of the country missed it, but it was incredible to watch. As I'm watching the Masters now, a lot of golfers having a lot of problems. Matsuyama at three under. Uh, Matt Kuchar on 12, put his ball in the bunker and then just hit it in another bunker on the par three. He's in a lot of trouble. And I think Patrick Reed is the big story. Two under 70 as he's in the clubhouse as a lot of other golfers are out there late and struggling with the fast course and the wind and everything that's going on there. Uh, in a little bit, we'll get into Peter Schrager's draft. I'm really excited to talk about this. Uh, Peter, who came on television with me this year on Talk of the Nation, he was one of our guests and came on the Raider podcast with me. He put out his mock draft, and it is very unique and different. Very unique because he's got a trade. And I think there could be a trade. And as we stated earlier, and I've been stating throughout the show, I think that Todd McShay coming out with his first 10 picks in the draft is very interesting for the Raiders because he has Mac Jones going to the 49ers at number three. You know, Derek Carr is the Raiders quarterback. And if the Raiders were thinking about getting Mac Jones with their first pick, I think a lot of Raider fans would be freaking out and upset about it. I don't sense that with the 49ers. There's a lot of 49er fans that feel pretty good about it, and they think they trust Kyle Shanahan, and they trust John Lynch, and they trust him in a big way. Good luck with that, because I think there's a lot of 49er fans that are looking at this potential pick and wondering out loud if this is the direction they want to go in. And Juju Smith-Schuster reported that Andy Reid recruited him by texting him Lombardi Trophy pictures. He tested free agency I thought the Raiders were going to look at Juju before he decided to stay. He said that Andy Reid wanted him to know that he had a chance to win a Super Bowl ring in Kansas City. Reid texted Smith-Schuster pictures of the Lombardi Trophy in an attempt to get him to sign with the Chiefs. I am so happy that the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl this past year to Tom Brady because they, they act like they're God's gift to football. They won one in 50 years, one. And I don't think they're going to win another one anytime soon. They got Kyle Long. They upgraded their offensive line. Patrick Mahomes is in the walking boot coming out of it. I am not high as can- on Kansas City as I was, or as some would say in fear of Kansas City, over the last two, three years. They're very good, and they'll be the favorite over the Raiders going forward for quite some time until the Raiders prove that they can consistently beat Kansas City Remember, the Raiders beat Kansas City last year at Arrowhead. It was one of the biggest wins of the year for any team. And the Raiders know the formula, how to beat them now. They just got to consistently do that. Uh, We get you into the show if you want to get in here before the top of the hour. I'm back on Monday. 
uh, taking a golf trip to San Diego tomorrow morning. We'll be back here on Monday with our full team draft coverage. Number before the top of the hour, 702-365-9200. We'll get you up here on the radio. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's. My 17-year-old son drove to get Grimaldi's last night. And he brought it back. And he ate a pie by himself. Oh, to be 17 again. He had another pie for my wife and I. Grimaldi's, actually the best pizza I ever had. Five locations here in the Valley. We all know what we're after, right? I mean, we all have that, that vision of what we're all shooting for, and we really got our vision on it. And we're not going to deny that. I mean, that's very important to us. It's very important to our fans in this organization. So we hold that really true to our heart, and we know that's the big picture that we're going after. JT, welcome back as we wrap up the week here, brought to you by E-Ole, our new ultra-premium tequila from Tequila, Mexico. Ihole, kind of a funny name, but you celebrate with a touchdown or a goal by saying Ihole, and they are a proud tequila sponsor that we welcome to the show this week, as we also welcome the M, the M Resort and Spa, that great location where we're going to hang out together at the Raiders Tavern and Grill, and we'll be doing some broadcasts there and some work there. We're really excited about that. More to come. So exciting week for us here. You know, we're a business. We're a radio show that needs to generate advertising and business. And we had a really good week because of my teammates here at Lotus and everybody behind the scenes that are out talking about our streaming numbers and how we're out there and who's listening and why you're listening and this connection to Raider Nation Radio that we really appreciate it. I'm loving hosting the show while I'm watching the Masters. Got up really early today, put on a pot of coffee, and started streaming the Masters because it's just a struggle to watch the Masters. It really is. It's a struggle to watch the Masters overall because you have to look for it really hard in the beginning of the coverage there. So I'm heading out to San Diego tomorrow for a couple of days. Going to play some golf. I'll be back on Monday, Sunday night to do my other show. And then next week, we are rocking. We are all over the draft. We have three weeks Today's Thursday. Three weeks from today is the draft, and we'll be broadcasting from Allegiant Stadium, which is going to be really cool when we have more information to tell you on that, how we're going to be broadcasting Raider Nation Radio from Allegiant Stadium. I'm really pumped up about that. So what we're going to do next week is we're going to fit in a lot of draft coverage, and we're going to jump in, and we're going to talk to you about what we think is going to happen with the draft and the Raiders pick. Obviously, at pick number 17, as we discussed all week, we don't know exactly what's going to happen and who's going to be available. But overall, I like where the Raiders sit. I think the big development this week is the Atlanta Falcons are open to trading the number four pick. Now, if the Raiders needed a quarterback, they could go up and get a quarterback at number four easily. But fortunately, the Raiders aren't in that situation with Derek Carr. But what team will now trade up to number four with Atlanta to possibly go get that draft pick and get a quarterback and it looks like it's either going to be new england new england would want to do that or maybe just atlanta stays there and atlanta just sits there and they take the quarterback and that's the quarterback of the future behind matt ryan which i think smart to do because these quarterbacks are here and they're ready to go so with all of the mock drafts that i have in front of me 
that I have printed out and I have stapled together, and I got about six or seven here in my office. Every couple of days, you see a mock draft 2.0 or someone picks up a mock draft and they start to fix it with trades. And I think this is going to be a year that I'm going to really buy into the trades. I think the trades are going to happen. I think teams are going to trade up. Peter Schrager, who joined me on television, Talk of the Nation with the Raiders and on the podcast, he put out his first mock draft. And he's got a couple of trades. So I just wanted to go over this Peter Schrager from Fox Mock Draft because I think it's one of the best I've seen. And I want to tell you why and what I like about it. So he has Jacksonville taking Trevor Lawrence, number one. Number two, Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback, to the Jets. Makes all the sense in the world. Steve Young, the Hall of Fame quarterback, leaked that and told everybody that that's going to happen because he knows that Zach Wilson has been being recruited and his family by the Jets. So that almost looks like a lock. The third pick, Peter Schrager has Mac Jones going to the 49ers. So if this is true, and the Niners, as he said, made a decisive trade to get the number three overall pick, it's Mac Jones. And Mac Jones is the guy they want. And he says, I don't think it's a smokescreen. He has all the traits that Kyle Shanahan is looking for, which is fine. Why wouldn't you have those traits? Good pocket passer, comes from a big program, pro-style offense with Steve Sarkeesian, who went to become the head coach at Texas, but obviously Nick Saban. So Mac Jones, from winning a national championship and being elite, I just don't, I wouldn't take him in the first round. Because I go back to Lamar Jackson being taken 32nd overall in his draft. And Lamar Jackson is a much better quarterback than Mac Jones. Not even close when it comes to a ceiling and upside. So if the 49ers are going to take Mac Jones, according to Peter Schrager, let him have him. Let him have him. Because I think Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Mac Jones. But the 49ers will be making that move. And they will be tied with that move for a long time. And maybe they think Mac Jones is Tom Brady. Tom Brady was selected in the sixth round. Turned out to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Sixth round. And if they take Mac Jones, I'll be shocked. So here we go. Peter Schrager has New England trading up to the number four spot to get Justin Fields. Boom. That's the deal, right? Atlanta, we talked about Atlanta trading out of that pick. Who do they trade to? Well, they trade to New England because New England's got all this draft equity and they, they cleaned up their team and did an unbelievable job. New England's got a brand new team because of free agency. Then they could get Justin Fields. And then Belichick on the back end of his career, the back end of his career with eight Super Bowls, six of them as the head coach of the Patriots, two as the defensive coordinator for the Giants, he would have Justin Fields for the next five years minimum or six. And Belichick could groom him like Patrick Mahomes to be the guy that could make runs for a Super Bowl. I don't think this is far-fetched. I think Peter Schrager's on to something. New England trading up to go get the player. If you like that move, let me know because that is a big-time move. Huge move overall in Peter Schrager's mock draft. Then he has Cincinnati at number five taking Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU, the best wide receiver on the board. Solid pick right there. But why not take Penny Sewell, the offensive lineman, to protect Joe Burrow? But Jamar Chase is so good, they want to get Barrow, uh, Joe Burrow a weapon. Go ahead and do that. And number six, Miami takes Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern. Why is this important to Raider fans? Because this is the best or second best offensive lineman on the board who can play tackle for the Raiders. 
I thought Rashawn Slater would be available at 10, 11, 12, getting closer to the Raiders. At number seven, Peter Schrager has a trade. Arizona trading up with the Lions to get Kyle Pitts, the best tight end in the draft. Then Carolina at number eight, because they got Sam Darnold, takes Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, who's the best offensive lineman in the draft. At number nine, Schrager has the Denver Broncos taking Trey Lance, the quarterback, out of North Dakota State. Ten, Dallas takes Patrick Sertain. At 11, the player that I want, the player that your buddy JT the Brick wants for the Raiders, Micah Parsons, goes number 11 to the Giants. Number 12, Philadelphia, Jalen Waddell, the wide receiver. Number 13, the Chargers, Christian Derrissaw, the offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, who the Raiders probably are coveting. Number 14, Minnesota takes Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher who I think would be good with the Raiders. At number 15, Atlanta takes Koromoa, the linebacker out of Notre Dame. At number 16, Detroit has Devontae Smith. And there we go with the Raiders. This is Peter Schrager, NFL insider, Raiders at number 17. Greg Newsom II, cornerback from Northwestern. Really? So the Raiders are going to take a cornerback with Trayvon Mullen out of Clemson. Damon Arnett, first rounder from Ohio State. And they're going to go with a Northwestern cornerback. Not an SEC cornerback. Peter Schrager writes, this could be higher than other mock drafts, but Newsom going. But I think teams are higher on this cornerback than the rest of the draft media world. He's smart, tough, and brings a professionalism to the field. The Raiders will be looking to continue their off-season trend, beeping up defense. So this is the first time I've seen the Raiders in all the mock drafts I have here in front of me. In my office at home, this is the first one that has the Raiders going cornerback. And if they do do this, I'll be shocked and I'll be disappointed because right tackle is definitely a need. And obviously for the Raiders, I think a defensive edge rusher is still available. I like Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher out of Miami. That's a player that I like a lot. And when you talk about the TCU safety, Schrager has the Washington football team taking Trayvon Morig, the TCU safety, who seems to be the hottest safety out there. So that's what we're doing here. I'm throwing in mock draft after mock draft, the ones of the guys I respect. Pro football focus, Peter Schrager, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper. Whoever you think is your mock draft, we're going to build our own on the show here and hopefully do something special here on Raider Nation Radio. And all I'm doing over the next three weeks is eliminating, eliminating, eliminating players who won't be available for the Raiders at 17. And the theme of the show, and it's going to remain that night when we're anchoring the draft coverage, is who's left on the board when the Raiders, who are picking 17, when we get to 11 or 12. When we get to 11 or 12 and players like Jalen Waddell are available, Micah Parsons, potentially, you know, Christian Darishaw. When all these players are available, will John Gruden and Mike Mayock trade up? Because this is the year I, I support the Raiders trading up from 17 to get a dominant player, the best right tackle available or the best defensive player available. One will be available at 17 if they hold firm. But if they love a player and they want that player to be a part of the building blocks for the Las Vegas Raiders at Allegiant Stadium, don't be nervous to go from 17 to 15, from 17 to 14, whatever it takes. 
because the Raiders got to hit a home run in the draft. And I think there are several home run players in this draft from the ninth pick all the way to the 13th or 14th pick. And I'm suggesting that the Raiders really got to consider making a move to get that player. Your thoughts, 702-365-9200 as we continue here. Brought to you by Sam and Ash, your personal injury attorneys. If you get into an accident, get safe, get to the side of the road, and then call Sam and Ash. 702-820-1234 because their team, our team, is in your corner because you deserve what's right. Call them 24-7 at 702-820-1234. JT, Raider Nation Radio, as we continue, jump on in, because next week I'm really counting on you over the next three weeks to have a strong opinion on what the Raiders need to do with their first pick. That 17th pick has got to be a game changer compared to some of the first-round picks as of late, other than Josh Jacobs, that were good players, but really not game changers. The big one's got to come this year on Raider Nation Radio. Really, I think it comes down to just trying to have the most thorough understanding that you can of where the, the strengths and weaknesses of the draft are, understand what league value is, and then try to have a little ability to move up and down the board, trade up, trade down, and try to take advantage of it to the best you can. Oh, turn it up. I'm excited. Got to do one more show tonight on Sirius XM. Then I'm going to have a Remy Martin sidecar. Oh, I'm going to have it in a manly Remy Martin class. I'm going to have it tall. Oh, I love my Remy Martin sidecar. And thanks to Remy Martin, they got their own bar. They got their own private room that overlooks the M pool. Remy Martin, I always team up for excellence. Ryan, Tori, their entire team, we appreciate everything they do for us on Raider Nation Radio. So that's Mike Mayock, and this is go time for Mike Mayock. And he's got to go find someone at 17 that's going to come in and start for the Raiders. At either right tackle, safety, or edge rusher. I prefer a linebacker. I've been saying that until I'm blue in the face, the term. It's going to happen. That's all I'm saying. Get Micah Parsons or get someone that you know is going to be an alpha. Because remember, that's been a conversation from time to time from Raider fans to me that you want to see an alpha. You want to see someone in there like a Ted Hendricks who comes onto the practice field on a white horse and a mask on. You want to see someone like Howie Long who just has that look on game day and he looks at Lyle Alzado and he looks back and they're going to meet at the quarterback. You want one of those guys. Mad Max, I'm a big fan of. I think Mad Max gets it. Cleveland Farrell has the talent. Yannick Ngakwe is that player. But I still want to see that badass linebacker come out of the tunnel with number 52, 53, 54, 55, and just wreak havoc. I think the only guy in the draft who can do that is Micah Parsons, but he won't be there. So I'm encouraging the Raiders to trade up. They don't listen to me. They don't remind me and tell me when they're going to move from Oakland to Vegas. They don't tell me where they're going to build the stadium or the practice facility or how they're going to sell the naming rights. All the Raiders expect from me is to do a professional job on the radio and talk to more Raider fans than anyone in the history of radio. And that is me. That will be my legacy as long as it lasts. If it ended tomorrow, if it lasts another 50 years, I'm honored to be here. Because we have really now a true flagship a real radio station. 
that's always being upgraded, always going to go to the next level to try to be at that point where Raider fans will have a voice going forward. Wow, Jordan Spieth just missed a baby. He got a seven. Jordan Spieth just got a seven on the ninth hole. Unbelievable. And this Bryson DeChambeau, he's four over, four over on the 12th tee box, and he's trying to hit balls over trees and through the woods to get it on the green, and he just did it again and hit the ball into the woods. Hit it into the woods. He tries to take it around the woods, and he hits it into the woods. And we're going to have to deal with Justin Rose because he's four under par, and that's a nice score to have up. Matsuyama shot 69. He's three under. Patrick Reed is two under. Look, I'll root for Patrick Reed. He's American. I'll root for him all day long on Saturday and Sunday. Thanks for listening, everybody. We had a big week. We welcomed the M Resort. We welcomed Iole, our new premium vodka. We got our Remy Martin friends. Bell Solar, excuse me, tequila. Bobby, right? Tequila, because you know I'm thinking about a vodka over the weekend in San Diego. And Sam and Ash, PTs. All of our partners here as we continue to grow, Grimaldi's and everybody else, and our new partners that we're mentioning next week leading up to the draft. Vodka over tequila. Come on. I'm better than that. I was looking at my Remy sidecar here on the Remy website, so that's what confused me. Come on, Phil. Make this putt. Phil may... Oh, he missed a putt. He lipped it out. I don't believe it. Phil lipped out a putt. I don't believe it. Come on, Phil. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.